The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting, like sleep and settling and crying. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Fallon Cork, and I'm here with Dr. Laura Conway. Laura, how's your week been? Yeah, good. Thanks, Fallon. It was a um, just a major uh, crash back into work, uh, having had a couple of weeks off. So, uh, but it was really lovely to see um, some of my old families again for their reviews, um, and also to um, see my first batch of new families. How about um, you, Fallon? Yeah, yeah. I was back in in the clinic last week as well, and just so nice to hear about everyone's Christmas breaks and all the progress made over that time as well. Um, it's just so awesome. Um, This week we were thinking we would talk a little bit about multiples because we know we've got some families with twins and triplets who are doing Sombal um, and we see these families all the time in clinic and we are actually planning a um, a multiples module in Sombal that will be coming out, who knows when, Laura, (laughs) probably in the next (laughs) couple of months if things go to plan. Um, And Laura, you have done uh, the um, multiple birth association presentation on um, sleeping babies and toddlers for is it the North Melbourne inner North Melbourne that's yeah, right there. Birth. Yeah, yeah yeah that's right so I did them last year and um, I'll also be doing them um, next month actually they're coming around again so um, oh, excellent yeah when when it gets closer we'll um, we'll obviously let families know when we fail and when we do this podcast so that if you um, yeah. do have um, twins and triplets or quads um, you'll know in advance when that um, talk is going to be and if you're part of that multiple birth association then um, you'll be able to listen in and ask questions on the day or afterwards I know that they circulate the recording Um, so you'll be able to access it that way too. Such Mm. a good resource for parents and look I think when it comes to multiple sleep is just extra extra important isn't it because Mm -hmm. you know we often see families where well let's just take for example if you've got triplets and they wake once per night then as parents you're probably being woken three times per night and Mm -hmm. we sometimes see families where their babies wake you know five times per night so if you've got triplets that could be 15 night wakes Mm -hmm. which is I mean really parents just aren't sleeping at that point you're not even getting through a full sleep cycle and that can be utterly disastrous um, for families Mm -hmm. when you are stretched to such severe fatigue so so often when we see families with multiples They've right from the get-go had a priority to try to consolidate their baby's night's sleep or get some good long stretches at least overnight um, Mm -hmm. pretty quickly and pretty early on. So these families are usually very good and very switched on with, um, you know, working on cot settling from the early days. But there are some differences that are really important, some different ways you might have to think about their sleep or um, certainly there's a few tips on things that can help. Um, Laura, in Mm. your presentations, what are the kind of the key messages that you you sort of get across to those families? What do you find yourself discussing? 
Yeah, well, first of all, I like to explain to those families how it's not unusual for um, multiples to have um, tricky sleep, certainly at the outset, simply because many of them are born low birth weight or um, premature or both. Um, Mm. And that means that they can stay in that very little baby phase for longer than babies born at term. Um, And that means that it might take a little bit longer for their um, uh, circadian rhythm system to develop. Um, So just for families to know that they um, there's a reason behind why their babies might be taking a little bit longer than other babies in their mother's group, for example, to um, uh, get that day night distinction is often helpful for parents Mm. of multiples. Um, When it comes to kind of the day-to-day practicalities, um, one of the things that um, is really important for multiple um, parents is that their babies follow a roughly similar schedule to each other. So we're not having one twin, um, say it's twins, we're not having one twin who's on four naps and another twin that's on five or six naps, because that just means that there's, uh, your parents are on a hamster wheel. Uh, and they're on yes. a hamster wheel already, <laughs> but they're on one with which has got an obstacle course built in. If you've got your um, your yes. twins or triplets on different schedules, so um, really important to um, work on having one um, schedule for your um, multiples. Even if so, that that would mean that they have the same number of naps, for example. But the length of those naps might vary. Um, between the babies because some one of your babies might have a higher sleep need than the other for example Um, but you'd still want them all to be on three naps or two naps or four naps or what you know whatever it is not that not for there to be a difference in the frequency of naps and that can be similar Mm. when there's a baby and a very young young toddler in the same family as they grow up together you'll often get to a point where they'll both be on one day nap but they could be very different length day naps so often we say to families start the nap at the same time but it might be that your your older um, toddler sleeps for far less length of time than maybe your um your younger younger baby um so yeah some of these things to really apply for when babies are just born close in age as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and other things that i'll be thinking about um with um when i'm working with parents of uh, multiples is when they are working on cot settling because as you said in the introduction fallon it is often the case that um parents of multiples really have a priority to work on cot settling because you simply can't be carrying two or more babies um safely um around yeah, the house for long periods long. of time <laughs> no yeah we're never very quickly yeah or feeding <laughs> yeah. them to sleep yeah it can just be i mean especially with triplets you just don't get that option um but we know you know there's so much research data out there that has you know tracked thousands of families and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that babies that get more practice at falling asleep in their cot even with lots of hands-on support um, they tend to consolidate their sleep at nighttime into longer stretches in a quicker time frame. So for parents of multiples, that yeah, 100%, that's usually the priority because if you're not sleeping well at night, how on earth do you find the energy to uh, run around <laughs> after multiples? Oh, mm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, really important to, if you are doing Sombell, to have a read through the different approaches available. I think that um, you'd probably um, 
agree with this, Fallon. It would when we think of the range of approaches that are available to parents of babies that are at term, um, those are really much slower approaches probably are not going to be appropriate um, if you are a parent of multiple, simply because you can't be doing those really slow introductions of associations like feeding to sleep mm. and that introducing patting, etc., whilst your baby's feeding to sleep. That's just not going to be um, really as feasible if you've got two or more babies. Um, so yeah. you'd probably be looking to rule out the, um, the very slow tapered um, yeah, slow tapered slow and slow fade. fade. I'd say are a bit too slow for multiples. But the quick tapered or the quick fade um, or one of the accelerated approaches tend to work really well. So you can still, um, you know, if you say if you've got twins, you can be sitting right between their cots, which you might have their cots quite close together, um, mm. and you can still be doing your padding and your shushing, but you're doing it for, for two babies. Um, and, you know, make sure you've got support around you, even if it means, you know, I totally understand not everybody has family nearby who can jump in and help. Um, but if you're trying to work on sleep, if sleep is actually problematic and you're trying to treat a sleep difficulty, um, I highly recommend that you hire, it might be a nanny or um, a childcare worker who's looking for some extra hours of work mm. um, to just come in and give you a hand because it might just be that you need an extra hand for a few settles across a few days and then mm-hmm. you're through the worst of it and you're off and away. Yeah. And look, a, um, a kind of beacon of hope for um, families of multiples um, who will be listening is that from the get-go, your babies are learning that they need to wait when mm. you're looking after one of the babies the other baby um, one or two or three however many you have is having to lie there and wait whilst for example you change the nappy of the first baby yes. um, and whilst you're putting one baby into their sleep suit the other one's having to wait their turn etc yeah so your and babies yeah they're already used to waiting Exactly. Um, And mm. I often explain to families that that's why so often multiples actually are really good sleepers because they're used to, they get a little bit more practice at having to wait and having to try to calm themselves down. So pretty quickly, multiples will realize there's not a lot of point in getting worked up. You know, mum or dad has heard me crying, you know, they're on their way and now I just have to wait a little bit for them to get here. So often their crying reduces quicker. Um, and that really factors into sleep because if they wake up at night, um, they're much more likely to kind of go, oh, well, they'll be here soon. And they kind of, mm. yeah, they're used to waiting that bit and often they do get themselves back to sleep um, that bit quicker. Um, and I think as well, something you mentioned um, when we were chatting before, Laura, is with multiples, you know, we often worry that they're going to wake up each other at night. So some mm. parents will run in very quickly as soon as one wakes up. And what we often say is, as as hard as it is, try not to rush in. Because if you just take a couple of minutes to get in there, then they're getting used to hearing their siblings crying and realising it's not a big deal. And pretty quickly, they'll actually start to sleep through their siblings crying and it won't bother them so much. If they don't, um, what we often suggest is that if you're, you know, working on sleep, sleep's a problem and you're trying to implement some strategies. Um, if you've got one baby whose sleep is pretty good, you might even pop them in a different room just temporarily while you work on the other baby's sleep if you mm. are finding that they are um, being woken up by their siblings. Um, yeah. yeah, and that can often um, be helpful when um, parents don't have much support around them. 
um, and they mm. feel that it's a bit scary to jump in to try to, to if there's only one of their multiples that is struggling with sleep they um, might feel a bit nervous about doing the settling um, by themselves um, and you know if the one baby who's learning to do the cot settling is not very happy about it and um, you're fearful that they're going to disturb their sibling then yeah doing what you just suggested there Fallon where you pop the baby who's a better settler down to sleep first perhaps in a different room so that mm. you know that they're going to be okay and you can then work on the cot settling of the other one um, that can be a really useful strategy when you're doing it um, without the support yeah absolutely yeah so if you've got multiples and you're thinking oh can i actually do some bell you absolutely can um all the information so i think sometimes multiple parents think well multiple sleep must be vastly different and require completely different strategies to solve mm -hmm. it actually doesn't they're the same sleep mm -hmm. problems but you might just have them in multiple babies so all the information about sleep, about looking at unique sleep needs, catering to your child's unique um, sleep requirements and the settling strategies, they all apply to twins and, and multiples. Um, and of course, if you hit a hurdle and you think, gosh, how do I manage this with my multiples? Um, let us know because we can talk about it in the podcast. Um, yeah, we do help parents through those sorts of difficulties all the time yeah and um, watch out for the um, watch out for the module which will be coming in the next couple of months we'll let you know about it yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm really excited about that it's going to be a great add-on and um what we're thinking is that it will um you know involve quite a lot of video content i think laura you'll be yeah. recording some like quite a lot of video lessons to talk parents through that because we know when you've got multiple babies reading a lot of information can be hard but it's much easier to um to listen to it or watch it so, yes, I'm very, very excited about the multiples module. Um, we've had some great questions coming this week, Laura. Shall I start by reading out this question we've had from Jodie and Daniel? Yes. All right. So they have a six and a half month old and they wrote in to say, previously our baby was waking hourly overnight and we developed a habit whereby I would co-sleep and breastfeed him back to sleep just as a means of survival. Oh, we've been there, Jodie and Daniel. We yeah. know what you mean. Um, they say, since joining Sunbelt, we've focused on settling our baby to sleep in the cot with padding and shushing. Um, we've seen some progress. However, he still has very broken sleep day and night. So mm. they're wondering, why are we still finding our baby is having false starts? So he's waking within um, minutes of falling asleep. Um, and they say this is despite them reading his sleep cues and allowing him to go to sleep when they see a buildup of sleep pressure. Um, they also say our baby seems to wake after 45 minute sleep cycles and requires parent assistance to go back to sleep. And when he wakes crying, uh, it's a very distressing scream. He becomes red in the face, arches his back and is hysterical. Um, they say we've tried letting him cry for short periods, but he only ever escalates and becomes more distressed. Therefore, a feed is offered to soothe him. He feeds very well and eagerly, so we assume there is some element of hunger. What suggestions do you have for managing babies who are so very distressed and moving them away from parent associations to fall asleep? And in what time frame would you expect that we would see a significant improvement? So this is a really similar scenario to what we quite often see mm. in clinic, isn't it, Laura, where sometimes we just need to look at, you know, I would say in this case, there's a few different variables that mean sleep just isn't quite coming together. Um, what are your very first thoughts on this case? 
Um, all right. So six and a half months old. Um, so I would be, um, I'm thinking about the um, feeding. It sounds like perhaps Jodie and Daniel are um, feeding him back to sleep when he's waking overnight. At least they're feeding him to soothe him when he wakes overnight. Um, and they're wondering whether there's, because he's feeding well, if there's an element of true hunger. So I would be thinking about um, how much is he feeding during the day? How's the solids, uh, introduction of solids going? How many meals is he on? Um, because we do know that once babies are over six months of age and they are having um, three meals a day, even if they're small meals a day, they usually can manage to go all night without feeding as long as their weight gain is okay and you haven't had any medical advice to the contrary. Um, so I would have a question mark over whether he is truly hungry um, and Jody and Daniel just to have a think about what his intake is like mm. during the day. Um, then I'd be looking at um, what his um, sleep needs are. Um, Jody and Daniel are saying that they um, are recognizing a buildup of sleep pressure during the day and they feel that they're reading his sleep cues. Um, when babies do wake up quite quickly after being put down and they do wake up after um, one sleep cycle, it often um, is because um, they weren't quite ready to go to sleep at the point that you put them down. So mm. I would be suggesting that Jodie and Daniel um, have a look at the uh, sleep log for their baby over the last week to just be 100% sure how much sleep their baby is getting on average and then ensuring yes. that they have a daily schedule that is based on that sleep need not what has happened yeah. in the past what, what would you say Fallon? I completely agree look when we get cases like this the first thing is usually that the baby's unique sleep needs aren't quite being catered to so what I mean by that is look at what that average daily duration of sleep is over the past week because you're definitely giving your baby plenty of opportunities to get more sleep if they need to. So if you look at that average, it's really going to tell you roughly how much sleep he uniquely needs. Is it a he? I can't recall now. I think it is. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so what I mean by that is sometimes you really have to cater to that specific amount. So if, for example, your, your baby's averaging 12 hours of sleep per 24 hours, look through the Sonbao content where it suggests different daily rhythms you can use that allow for 12 hours of opportunity to sleep and start to follow one of those. Because in all likelihood with this baby, um, yeah, sometimes parents say we, we, we look for the sleep cues, but some babies show sleep cues before they're actually really ready to fall asleep. Mm. When we instead look to, to use a daily rhythm that caters exactly to the amount of sleep that they are averaging in their diary, it all comes together. Because after a few days of being on that schedule, and there might be some really tricky times where they're cranky and tired. Um, but after a few days, they tend to be starting to adjust. And what you'll find is that their sleep pressure and their levels of sleep hormones when you go to settle them are that much higher. And that is the key. Like That is mm -hmm. the absolute key because it sounds like when you're trying to settle him, he doesn't have enough sleep pressure and that means the settles are just going to be hard and he will cry really hard because he's got a lot of energy to really push back against um, going mm. back to sleep. 
And often they learn that, okay, if I wake up, I have to absolutely lose it. And then I get that feed quickly. Um, And often the feed provides just enough comfort that even if sleep pressure is a bit low, they manage to get back to sleep with Mm. that feed. Um, So, look, I know it's a lot of information to digest, but I would say there's something off with the schedule for this baby. Look at what that average daily sleep duration is, cater to it and be quite firm with catering to it really strictly and then start to... um, work on the cot settling and uh, you, uh, it's mentioned that they do padding and shushing so I don't know which of the approaches they're exactly using but I just say once you've got that sleep pressure nice and high using that daily rhythm with any of the approaches you choose in some bowel um, you're probably going to see a reasonably quick improvement um, but just apply that same approach for every single settle so yep. what you're really aiming to do is to not sometimes feedback to sleep um, because he's really upset um, you might pick him up, give him a cuddle. If it's not time for a feed yet, then you work on that exact same strategy to get him back to sleep. So the yeah. families that have a really quick turnaround um, are the ones who get that sleep pressure component just right and really work towards their unique sleep needs and then follow that up with working really consistently on that um, that new approach. So if you've got those factors um, just right, then you ask about what sort of time frame you might see a significant improvement. Um, if those two variables are just right, then usually it's only two or three days and you'll see a big turnaround and a big improvement. So I'd definitely look really closely at that timing component, Jodie and Daniel, because um, I would say that's that's the real key to success in getting things on track. Yeah, yeah, and well done. It sounds like you've done a good job already, Jodie and Daniel, because your baby has gone from waking hourly overnight to um, sleeping for much longer than that. So, yeah, well done. And going to sleep in the cot with padding and shushing, that is yeah. such a big turnaround. So, you've already made a really fantastic chunk of progress. And mm-hmm. now it's just about tweaking those little factors, mm-hmm. and you'll find that, that, yeah, you can push him over the line. Um, yeah. So absolutely. Well done. So shall I read out the next question, Fallon, from Camilla? Yeah, go for it. Great. So Camilla says, first of all, thank you for Sombell. We've had an incredible progress with our four and a half month old baby who used to be rocked or fed to sleep. And now he can sleep on his own in his cot. Yay. Well done, Camilla. Excellent. Uh, so Camilla um, used the supported accelerated approach. Um, she started seven nights ago. And most of the time, her baby now goes to sleep with very minimal or no crying. Now, here we come on to Camilla's question. So she says, however, we've struggled with part of his night's sleep. As every night between 3 and 4 a.m., he wakes up for a feed and it is incredibly difficult for him to sleep again. He has always had a wake up at this time. But in the past, I used to feed him and sometimes he'd fall asleep whilst eating. So we'd stay with him in bed until 6.30 or 7. Now, and I guess it's because Camilla's using supported accelerated, um, he wakes up and it takes between 45 minutes to an hour for him to go back to sleep with intervals of intense crying. Mm. Oh, it sounds really hard, Camilla. Um, Camilla says, we're keeping the same technique and haven't used co-sleeping so far, as tempting as it is. So really well done. Um, Those wakes sound really very long. Um, and she goes on to say, sometimes he falls asleep for five or 10 minutes, but then he wakes up crying again until eventually he falls asleep. He's recently gone through the four month sleep regression and based on eight weeks of data, he needs approximately 14 hours of sleep every 24 hours. 
Ideally, I'd like him to sleep for 10 or 11 hours overnight with three and a half hours of naps. But I'm finding that his naps are still unpredictable and some days he can nap for 40 minutes and others for two hours. He's waking between two or three times overnight and I've no problem with feeding him, preferably two times, but having to settle him every night for an hour is costing us sleep and my husband and I wake up very tired. I bet you do, Camilla. Mm. Um, so Camilla ends the email by saying, any tips or insights on why and how to handle the 4 a.m. wake and how to make that wake shorter? And she also wants to know, is it a matter of time before her baby establishes more consistent naps um, or could she do something about it? And thank you in advance. What are your thoughts, Fallon? Yeah, Camilla, you're doing an absolutely wonderful job. And I think given what you described where he used to have a feed and then, you know, snuggle in beside you and co-sleep for those last couple of hours of the night, um, you know, it's it sort of makes sense that he's waking at that time and being quite unsettled because he's probably thinking, well, I used to be able to have, you know, this lovely snuggle and mm. feed to sleep at that time. And often those are the wake-ups that take a little longer to resolve. Um, what I would be thinking about, though, is, I mean, it does sound like sleep pressure's a little bit low at that time. So we know that he can mm. settle in his cot, but he's kind of resisting that. Um, he's got the skills to do it, but he's not. And part of the reason could be that sleep pressure is getting a little bit low. Um, and you mentioned that you look at the last eight weeks of data to judge how much sleep he's needing. And that could be part of the problem because over the course of eight weeks at his very young age, sleep needs drop quite quite a lot typically. Um, so the amount of sleep he needed eight weeks ago could be a whole lot more than what he needs right now. So mm. just look at the last one to two weeks of sleep diary data um, and see how much he's averaging and then start to think about building out a bit of a daily rhythm around that um, because it might be that he may, needs just a little bit less day sleep and that means that he's sleeping through a bit more solidly um, and not having mm. that unsettled patch in the morning. Um so, yeah, I'd definitely be, be having a bit of a think about the timing. It sounds like something there might need to be tweaked a little bit. Um, and, yes, it does take time to establish more consistent naps. He's still quite small, so you might find that, um, you know, sometimes he will have a long nap, sometimes it's a shorter nap. It's not going to matter a whole lot if there's a bit of variability um, in how long he's napping for for each nap. Just be thinking about how much total day sleep he's having so that you're not mm. kind of giving him too much and then having those um, tricky 4am wake-ups. Um, mm. what, what would you add to that, Laura? Um, I would add to that um, that, well, I'm really, really proud of Camilla for continuing to um, persist with the settling approach um, yeah. at that 4am mark. Um, your baby is used to having a feed at that point. So, and you are also at that seven night mark where you were when you sent this email, mm. when you do use supported accelerated, or in fact, any, or many of the approaches, um, it's not unusual for there to be a rough patch about seven to 12 days after you start, um, when, um, your baby can go, hmm actually just wondered if you would wouldn't mind still doing that lovely thing that you used to do <laughs> yeah um, and so perhaps um this may already have resolved camilla with that really um 
persistent, consistent, settling approach. Yeah, well done, Camilla. You're doing such a fantastic job and keep us updated on on how you're going. Um, Laura, May sent us an update. So we spoke to May, oh gosh, I think it was a few weeks ago, but I'm still in that Christmas New Year blur. (laughs) I don't know what day it is. (laughs) It was a little while back um, that May sent in some questions to the podcast. And she's updated us to say that nap settling has been going great, that her bub now settles for all sleep with minimal crying and is generally asleep within five minutes. So well done, May. That's great. She says he was initially still having four naps a day with a total day sleep of four and a half hours and night sleep of 11 hours. Um, But he started to get very restless, grunting and squirming and having sort of five to 15 minutes of quiet sleep before making some more noise. And that was happening from around about 3.30 to 4am until he woke for the day Mm. at seven. So kind of similar to what Camilla describes too. Um, Mm. she says she doesn't remember him doing that before, but they did drop a night feed that happened at around that time. Um, yeah. So maybe he's waking up having a bit of a grizzle, um, wondering where that feed is, which is quite normal. Um, she says her Mm -hmm. baby's now three months old and has since been moved onto three naps per day with a total day sleep of four hours and 11 hours of nighttime sleep. So it's dropped back a little bit. Um, She says this has improved things, but she's still finding he's a little bit more restless and unsettled towards the early morning. So she wants to know, is that normal and is there anything that she can do to help? Um, In addition to this, she says he's been on three naps for about a week and a half and sometimes struggles to stay awake until his nap time. So she'd like to know if that's a, a reason to go back to four naps or should she stick with three? Um, And she also wonders if it matters if the naps are a bit disjointed. So if some naps are shorter and some are longer, um, what should she do? Can she allow, you know, a longer nap if if one of her naps is is shorter? Um, And May also says, thank you for the content and for answering her questions. And of course, you're very welcome. (laughs) Thank you, May. We love these kind of updates, don't we? Yeah, they're great. So what do you think, Laura? I suppose starting with the, the first part of that question, he's a bit restless and unsettled towards morning. Um, is it normal and mm. what can be done? Yeah, very normal for the early part of the morning um, to be for babies and toddlers to be quite restless. They can be really noisy um, and um, it can be um, really um, disruptive of parents sleep. Um, as long as he's not calling out and crying um, and needing your attention, it's really nothing to worry about. I know, Fallon, that you've told me in the past that one or Mm. more of your children were really noisy sleepers. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. One of my sons actually was so noisy, just in light sleep. He would grizzle and grumble and shuffle. And I was getting absolutely no sleep. Like my sleep was constantly interrupted. Um, And we ended up having to move him into the next room with a monitor pretty early just because Mm. I knew I could not function when my sleep was that disrupted. So, yeah, really normal for them to be very noisy. Um, May, something that could help is to, you know, if you're sharing the room, move the cot a little bit further away from your bed so you might not hear quite as much of that um, noise that they make in light sleep. You could even use white noise, not for his sleep, but for your own so that it kind of masks (laughs) all the little grizzles and grumbles that you don't actually need to hear. But you would certainly hear if he started crying Um, and Mm -hmm. that might really improve your sleep um, as well. Um, And Laura, what do you think? Should she stick to three naps now or go back to four? 
Look, as a general rule of thumb, I tend to say to the families that come into the clinic, after you've made that transition um, to a smaller number of naps, to try your best to stick with it. Um, now, with May's baby, he's only three months old, so still in the very little baby um, area of development. So if you find may that your baby is only having three short naps a day and there's just no way that uh, he's going to make it until bedtime of course it's okay to offer him an extra nap um, you might consider just offering him a power nap which would be a 15 or 20 minute nap just later on in the afternoon just to help him through until bedtime um, and over time his need for that um fourth nap or power nap in the afternoon will um, fall by the wayside as he begins to tolerate having longer periods of time awake between his naps. Um, did you have anything to add, Fallon, to that? Yeah, no, I think that that's really um, good advice. I would just say, um, you know, don't worry too much if on one day the morning nap's short and the lunch nap's long and then the next day it's the other way around. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. too much if the lengths of the naps vary a little bit day to day at this age what's most important is just thinking about that total amount of day sleep um, that he should be having and then trying to cap that. So you wouldn't want him to have it all in one mega morning nap. He'd have nothing <laughs> left for the rest of the day. Um, and sometimes that means that parents do need to wake up their babies after maybe it's two hours or so just to make sure they've got some mm -hmm. sleep left that they can do later on in the day. Um, so, yeah, don't worry too much if there's that bit of day-to-day um, -day variability. All right, so thank you so much to those who sent in questions. And I want to extend a huge warm welcome to the many, many families who joined Sonbao over that holiday period. Um, lots of people have been taking advantage of our special summer sale where we have 30% off all the Sonbao programs at the moment. You can probably hear an elephant passing by, and I think that's my daughter <laughs> stomping down the hallway. <laughs> We're keeping it very real today. <laughs> This is this is parenting and working at the same time on the school holidays. It's a yeah, roller coaster, that's crazy. for sure. <laughs> so, look, if you're looking for assistance with baby or toddler sleep and settling, Sunbell is a great option. Go and check it out. It means that you can submit questions to our podcast and you can even book in for coaching calls with me if you want to have a chat through um, the particular issue that you're having. Um, we also have some great freebie options too. So there is a free baby sleep ebook that you can download from our website. There is also our free um, toddler sleep series um, where you get sort of lessons across 10 days into your inbox. And um, we've had wonderful feedback on both of those. So if you're needing a bit of a hand, have a bit of a look and I'll pop the resources in the show notes. Um, what else is there to say? I think that's probably us for the week. So if you're yeah. a Sunbell family and you've got questions, send them in and we look forward to answering those next time. Yeah, thanks everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged zero to three years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.